Amen. Um, we welcome you to Harvest. If you're a guest from outside the community, uh, we're so thankful that you're taking the time to be a part with us today. And as Stacy mentioned, uh, we are very thankful for uh, not only this, our soldiers and those who have given their lives, but uh, we're thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And I want to speak to you today a little bit about that. This is not an exhaustive study, teaching, uh, and just share a little bit uh, from the scriptures and then provide opportunity for those uh, we've been actually talking about over the last uh, four or five weeks that at Pentecost we would pray for those for that grace and that gift who would like that as we conclude the service. So let me just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we begin to share. Father, I truly humble myself before you. I do recognize that in and of myself I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people. Pour out your spirit today upon them. Let them sense your presence, the reality of your closeness, your nearness to them. We thank you, Lord, that you're just not the God of truth, but you're also one that you had not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, as Hebrew says. Lord, you get us. You understand us. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, uh, your spirit be poured out throughout the service in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. A couple of texts. I don't have a PowerPoint, just background. I don't want to throw a lot at you, but just we'll talk on some things about uh, the Holy Spirit uh, in our life. 1 Corinthians 14, this Pentecost Sunday, and I subtitle this, Speaking Unto God, Speaking Unto God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands him or catches his meaning. But by the Spirit, he or she speaks mysteries, speaks truths, hidden things. Uh, the bulk of my text will be in Acts chapter 2. Uh, you can just make note of that, verses 1 to 38. Some of you remember uh, dear, precious Arlene Johnson. I remember Arlene. And she moved to heaven back in 2020, and she was part of the church for many, many years, and she would always point her finger, and she would say, Pastor Mike, remember Pentecost Sunday is coming up. And if I happened to maybe not have had that on my mind in the moment, I sure noted it and made note of it. And she used to sit always to my right in, during the worship, and especially that songs about how these bones would worship. She would just, as a frail uh, woman in her late 80s and 90s, she would just lift her hands and she would praise and worship God. And she would pray, she would intercede, and, and uh, she prayed over all of our family, and she would continue to lift them up. She prayed for the church. And I find it interesting that after 20 plus years, she moves to heaven, and soon after that, the church is built down here. Who would have known that this woman went, Lord, <laughs> harvest, <laughs> help Pastor Mike, <laughs> and a miracle happened. <laughs> I don't know. I'm speculating. It's not in the Bible, but I just feel that. I feel that. Thank you, Arlene, but thank you, Jesus. Jesus did it. All praise to the Lord. Amen? Amen. You know, the Pew Research uh, says in the U.S. alone, there are 76 million Pentecostals, charismatics, neo-charismatics. Uh, independent, full gospel churches in over 600 million worldwide. So of the 2 billion believers worldwide, 25% or a quarter of them speak in tongues. 
That's no small amount. So this is not some kind of a fringe extreme. There is tens and hundreds of millions of believers that have received that experience. You know, the wind that blew upon the 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost, not just the 12, the 120 that the Bible talks about, it wasn't no small, mild breeze. The Scripture describes it as the rush of a violent wind. Many different translations, a different wording. And it suggests that it shook the rafters of the house, which the disciples were hunkered down in fear with the doors closed. And one preacher said that the day of Pentecost wind was like a holy hurricane. I know I think that's an accurate description. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. Power, dunamis. Dunamis come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I think about why did the Holy Spirit come with such demonstrative force? <laughs> you know, why, why that? And I believe the answer is that God was changing his people. Now, how many of you know changing people is not easy? <laughs> How many know sometimes changing people takes a holy hurricane? I recently read a story about a mental health conference at which a featured speaker worked for the Department of Mental Health for the state of Alabama. And what's interesting is that he had been for years hospitalized in various mental health wards where he was treated for psychotic delusions. His experience as a patient had made him sensitive to the way the mental health workers can help or harm their patients. Well, one of the stories he told was about the community where the mental health professionals and their therapists kept a professional distance from the people that they treated. These professionals did not acknowledge clients when they saw them on the street or pass them by in the grocery store. They just ignored them. So it was this great gulf that separated uh, the healthy from the sick, if you could say it that way. And so it seemed they had little in common with one another. Then the town was hit by a hurricane. And the next day, everyone was lined up in the same line to get food and water. Now, everybody was on the same playing field. And so for the first time in their lives, these two groups got together and experienced a sense of community, but it took a hurricane. Friends, people don't change easily, and God knew exactly what he was doing 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Can you say amen? God was trying to change his people. He was trying to change his people on the day of Pentecost, and it took a holy hurricane wrought by the Spirit of God to accomplish that change. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. If you look in Luke chapter 16, it's the story about the rich man in Hades and Lazarus, and he asks that, please, have Lazarus dip his, you know, dip his finger in water and refresh him. And if you look up the Greek word for dip, it means bapto, or baptizo, where we get baptized. And it actually, its root meaning comes from the trade of dyeing fabrics. I don't know if you've ever dyed a t-shirt or, you know, did something like that. Well, in dry cleaning, we did a lot of dyeing. Sometimes we would have clothes that would come in and, and you know, the person said, I signed the waiver, do what you can, salvage this, salvage this shirt or t-shirt. I really love it. But, and so at times we would use a stripper. It would call strippies and in hot, hot water, we would put it in and they would bring steam inside there and it would strip that thing completely. Then we'd add writ dye or a certain commercial dye to it, and it would come out and look brand new, brand new. And the people would be so thrilled. Wow, I want to give you a hug. I'm like, oh, you know, <clears throat> this is what we do, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but 
The English equivalent is dipping the cloth or garment in dye, and the cloth, watch this, takes on the color and characteristics of the dye. That's the Holy Spirit, that infilling. So when we're born again, the Bible says we cry, Abba, Father, that is a well within our spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that. But there is a subsequent experience. We preach and teach and believe the Word of God talks about of a total immersion of the Spirit of God to come upon the believer, and we'll talk more about that. So what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? We know that John's baptism was a water baptism, and it was a total immersion in water. He could have been called, you know, we call him John the Baptist, or he could have been called John the Dipper. However, the Holy Spirit fully immerses, immerses the spirit, soul, and body. Did you get that? The Holy Spirit immerses spirit, soul, and body. Romans 8.11 talks about that. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead was also, he will also give you into your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives within you. So it is a total immersion. It is a, a total filling, spirit, soul, and body that affects you, that uh, pouring out of the spirit. The main point is that Jesus is the baptizer. There's numerous scriptures in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We could also say that he is the filler or he who fills or who immerses, who immerses with the spirit and also the body too, since the spirit inspiring them to speak affected, but watch this, not forced their physical tongue. And you need to get that. A lot of times people think he's like, well, I prayed and received and I just opened my mouth and well, you have to speak. You have to speak what he's speaking with you. How many know that takes faith? You have to trust that when you ask of the Father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something weird. He's going to give you part of his God, the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you a snake, a scorpion. You know, you ask for food. We see that in John. He says, if you ask for the Spirit, I will give him to you. Are you still with me? So it's a, he does not force himself on you. Now, God is sovereign. We know that. How many know he can force himself upon somebody? We know that a King Saul, he came and pursued, and he was with the prophets, and the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's what the Holy Spirit would do in the Old Testament. He would come upon, and then he would come off of them. But for the believer today, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he remains. He stays. Amen? He doesn't just leave. He stays. He remains. And so, so um, I believe the gift or grace of tongues is God-ordained. And I believe it's still available today. God desires his people to pray, I would say, and I, as I've studied in the scriptures, the perfect prayer in worship to him with the mind of the spirit. Now, here's the thing. He extends his gift to anyone who takes it. Let me just say this. His hands are open and on it. It is his gift that he created, he invented. Here's the thing. Believers can receive it at any time in any place. Did you know that? can receive this morning, back at home, whatever, anytime, any place. And what they're initially receiving when they receive the Lord Jesus Christ and they're baptized in the Spirit, the Bible talks about multiple infillings or even afterwards. I've heard of people that, you know, they're like, I, I just, I want to be quiet. I want to be alone at myself. And they kneel at their bedside and, and they pray and they're filled with the Spirit. And they, and they have their heavenly language, excuse me. But if his people reject his offer, his gift, it is an offer that they can refuse. He will not compel them to accept it, and neither will I. 
I will never compel anyone. Uh, I just say, well, do we have to be filled with the Spirit? No, you get to. That's all. I'm not going to make it a contentious, argumentative thing. You know, not, no. All right? How many still with me? Say amen. <laughs> you know, but what's sad is that some, why, why would you not want what he is providing and giving to help you? I remember uh, numerous trips that we took to Russia and Ukraine, and one was back in 1995. We were in Ismail, southernmost part of Ukraine, uh, on the Romanian border in the Black Sea, and um, there was a huge turnout to this conference. There's five, six, seven, eight hundred people each night, and uh, we actually gave out. It was it translated the Y Tongues booklet that actually went out through an email on the benefits of the why. How many know it's, you need to understand the purpose of something before you receive it? Otherwise, it's, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand. They're just, you know. But if you see the benefit for your life, that changes everything. It changes everything. Why would I not want that? Even though culturally, maybe some people may not think, you know, anyhow, I'm moving right along. So uh, we actually, we passed out that booklet. It was written in the Russian and Ukrainian language. And there was about 70-something, 75 that were going to come back. We said, we're not praying for you till you read that and come back the next night. Sure enough, they all came back, every single one of them. And so then Pete, the missionary, goes, you pray for them to receive the baptism. I'm like, how am I, who only understand English, going to pray for them through an interpreter and that they're going to receive? I said, well, Lord, here we go. So I did and prayed for every single one of them except two received mightily. And they were praying in the Spirit, and God was moving on their life. And nothing weird, just very normal, very beautiful and gracious. And, you know, we don't swing from chandeliers here. I know we did do a circle thing in the foyer lobby, <laughs> but nobody had swung from that. But hanging it, some of the construction crew almost did. Uh, but the, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, there's been so much... Bad water, you know, baby bath water that we've thrown everything out because people make stuff weird. Jesus is not weird, okay? People are weird. People are really weird. <laughs> I can be weird at times. I know that. <laughs> but uh, some of you think I'm weird. That's okay. But, uh, and, and they all received, but two of them didn't. And so after all of them, I went with the two, and they were there arguing with me how it's not for today. <laughs> like, Moving right along. So the epistles of the entire book of Acts, they're very charismatic. And the Holy Spirit is behind it all. The four gospels are also very charismatic, but they focus on Christ's anointing, which he extends to his church in Acts and the epistles. Just a couple of examples, what I mean by that being very charismatic. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, 24, the Bible talks about Barnabas is said to be full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Now, it is inconceivable that he would not have his private prayer language praying as an associate of the Apostle Paul, who stated the fact that in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, that he said, I pray in tongues in the Spirit more than all of you Corinthians. Why would he not? To that point, Paul was said to receive the Holy Spirit when Ananias, in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, laid his hands upon him. Watch this. But Luke, watch this does not mention anything about Paul praying in spirit-inspired languages at that time. 
Watch this. Notice. Acts 9, 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, which became Paul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again, because he was blind, and he says, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The point is that Luke does not need to mention the fullness or the baptism of the Spirit, including prayer language in every verse that he talks about this fullness. Why is that? The author, Luke, assumes the readers know this from the context of the entire book of Acts. And the same goes for this in the epistles. However, there are numerous uh, examples of believers receiving the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues, especially when you read Acts 19 with the Ephesian believers, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 8, and it talks about and it lists how they also did. They received the Holy Spirit and they prayed in tongues, their private prayer language, worshiping God. How many with me say amen? So what's the benefit of praying in tongues? Uh, we share just a little bit with you on a little booklet that went out, but there are numerous uh, very quickly, just a few, and I'll touch on more. The Holy Spirit allows you to speak directly to God, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. You bypass all the, all the debris in the Spirit, and you're praying directly. It is like you have, you have a direct cell line connected to the Holy Spirit. No, Satan cannot tap your line. I remember when the old school phones back in the 30s and 40s, there was always someone, a woman there sitting with a headset. Can you please connect me to so-and-so? Click... I think they could listen in on some of those phone calls. Oh, did you hear about, she's what? Oh, you know, your line can't be tapped. You're directly speaking with God. That's a powerful truth. Holy Spirit keeps you in tune. Praying in tongues keeps you in tune with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.4. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It strengthens you in your spirit, 1 Corinthians 14.4. It says you are strengthened personally. Did you hear that? I don't know about you, but I daily need to be strengthened personally. You start looking around what's going on, you think of, whoa, this, that, this has been happening, leadership, this administration, this and that, and what's going on in our country and the world and globally, whatever. You need to be strengthened personally because that stuff is overwhelming. It's overwhelming and can grip people with a major spirit of fear, and there are millions trapped in that. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, uh, praying in tongues allows you to pray even when you don't know what you want to pray, Romans 8. We'll talk about that in a moment. So numerous benefits. Jesus made a promise in John 14, 16. He said that he would send another helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, as it's worded in the Greek. And once again, that's someone who walks by your side. I need that. I need that someone that walks by our side. So I am urging everyone all around to accept that fullness of the Spirit, and you can receive that uh, today, but you can receive it later. You could be go going home. You can pray about that. Maybe there's some more understanding. You need to read about it to understand truly so what benefit is this, and you need to actually see it in the Scripture. That's okay. That's fine. That's good. The key is desire. Desire. If there's no desire, there's no infilling. I don't know how else to say that. I don't mean that mean or ugly, but desire. And, the, and, the, and I think about the believers uh, in, in Ephesus that Paul goes to in Acts chapter 19. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been born again? That's, they were believers. 
brothers. They, they were Christians. Well, they weren't really believers. They were, they were, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance to expect the Messiah that was coming. And they were there preaching. They were mighty. They were disciples. They were believers. That's how I interpret it. But you can have someone read and go, they weren't. And then, that, you know, regardless, they spoke in tongues just as the day of Pentecost. This was 20 years later. This is 20 years later after Pentecost. Believers still receiving it. And so they spoke with tongues, and they magnified God. So the, the key is, and I'm not really trying to harp on that, but we must come with hungry hearts, an open mind, not an empty mind, amen, but an understanding that we are receiving. We're asking of God, and he will fill us. And not over-intellectualizing, not with mental blocks or kind of like, oh, yeah, well, let's just wait and see, you know. No, there's a uh, you know, kind of maybe, maybe not, or... You know, or my pastor taught against it, and it said that wasn't of God, and so it's going to take a lot for me to accept it. You have to have a made-up mind and understand what the Scriptures teach and go, you know what, I desire this. I desire this. I want this. God, I want that. You know, that's why I feel in some ways not having a religious background is a benefit. I'm, I don't know. I just, you, just, you just don't know what. And God also has this view. Okay, I'll take it. I haven't been pounded for decades. No, miracles, everything has passed away. We're cessationists. There's no gifts. There's nothing. God just did that for the infant church to help the infant church. Now you're on your own. He's still here. He's still touching lives. He's still filling people. He's still delivering people. He's still a miracle worker. Amen? God's gifts are received when people are hungry and generally reach out for them. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak and to those that have no might, he increases strength. I love that verse. And so how many know that people receive salvation through hunger and faith? Isn't that right? That, so once again, hunger and faith. Yes, I believe the Holy Spirit is at work drawing them, but so it is in the asking for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11, 13, which of your fathers, if your son asks or daughter for a fish, Will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, Jesus is speaking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? I'm going to say it one more time. How much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who, there's that desire. To those who ask, I don't want to ask. Not going to happen. <laughs> There's no desire there. But hopefully the teaching, and you've been around enough people here in the church that you desire, you desire that. It's not forced, but it's a desire. Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39, that this outpouring is for them back then. And he says, for all who are far off, that's us. We are far off. If you calculate the days 2,000 years ago, that's 700,000 days later. Here we are today. He's still filling people. He's still filling them. Peter will learn decades later that Cornelius, a Gentile, a non-Jew, the Bible says, he will receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit with his spirit-inspired language. It's written there in Acts chapter 10. So how necessary is this gift? Well, it was vital for the fields of service for the 120 disciples. Jesus said this. He said, don't 
leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Did he not say that? Don't. Now, let me just tell you, if you travel with Jesus for three and a half years, physically seen him, watched him be crucified, now on top of that, you physically saw him risen from the dead in the scars, and he's talking to you. He shows up, right, in upper room, and he passes through a wall. I don't understand it. He's interdimensional. He can do it. And he says, touch me. And Thomas believes. He says, I need some fish. Give me some food. He ate. It was a physical body. How many know our God is an awesome God? He can pass and move impossible things for us. Anyhow, I won't get too deep on that one. But the point was is that Jesus said, don't. Don't leave Jerusalem. Even though they physically witnessed Jesus Christ after his resurrection, they were in a holy huddle. You ever hear that term? It's fearful. Uh, we're in the upper room. Bolt the door, lock. But listen, you always already witnessed the resurrection. You already witnessed this man being beaten and died and placed in a cold tomb. And he rose again from the grave. Come on, somebody. Three days later, and now you're still afraid, locked up in a room, because why? Jesus knew you need the outpouring of the Spirit. That changes you from a fearful person to a bold person. That changes you from someone I can't talk to anybody to somebody that's not ashamed. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though you may have witnessed and seen, you still, we need this. It's a necessary gift. You know, let me just throw out this. Mary, the mother of Jesus. How many know that she's the blessed uh, Mary? And she certainly knew about the Holy Spirit when the angel spoke with her, and, and she was supernaturally conceived of Jesus. But the Bible says, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she too waited in Jerusalem for this further work of the Spirit called the promise of the Father. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Watch this. And with her brothers, we are in the upper room. The point is, if Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed this gift, wouldn't we also? I mean, wouldn't? <laughs> the point is, spirit immersion, baptism, I believe it's for all of us today, and it has not ceased. So very quickly here, and then we're going to pray as I, I wind down. Number one, and this is going back to some benefits, praying in tongues brings forth the leading of the Holy Spirit or the help. I don't know about you at times. I can pray... And I can pray my understanding, but it comes to a place where I feel I don't know what to pray. I, I am at a loss. Some things are so grievous. Some things are so painful. Some things are so potentially so hurtful. I don't know how to, I, 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 maybe you're, you know, so articulate that you know how to speak directly to that. But Romans 8, 26 says, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. For we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it worthily as we ought. Watch this. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads on our behalf. Watch this. With unspeakable yearnings, groanings, tongues too deep for utterance. You know, these are the I don't know what to do situations. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of those in my life. A lot. I don't know what to do. What do I do in this situation? Both seem like... There's consequences. Both seem like it might turn out well. 
and you would pray. And so the Holy Spirit would lead you to pray in situations that even he will come upon you in a, in a way that he will have you pray for others in situations. I've had that happen to me. Uh, miles away, I remember being stationed in, in uh, the Philippines in McSinside Drive in Alangapo, 1985. And so I was part of a, a small church there, and uh, actually, a uh, dear brother there, uh, uh, he had a small congregation, we came in, a number of service uh, Marines, and we were stationed there for a few months, and, and we just blessed them, and I began to share about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with his permission, and, and, and there, was th- there was three women there that were hungry, and I could tell there was faith upon them, and so it was the first time in my life that I have ever prayed for someone to receive the baptism. This was in 1985. And uh, <clears throat> I remember just laying hands on them. The pastor was playing his guitar, strumming, and, and I prayed for them. And it was just an amazing outpour, and they began to weep. And there was joy, and they prayed in their heavenly language. And then the pastor was playing the guitar faster, faster, faster. <laughs> and he's like, what's going on here? <laughs> And I didn't know. It so shocked me as a 19-year-old. Come on, somebody. I went in the corner, and I just began to just cry and pray. I'm like, what is going on here? And it affected them in their life. And, but, but I remember that certain meetings we'd have there, and God moved. And, and so then at night, there would be a group of them that we kind of helped escort to go bring them to their homes. And it's a pretty much a wild party place. It's insane. McSyside Drive, it was nuts uh, every night, and it was just wild. And so we would bring them. Well, what happened was while we were bringing them, and I had uh, a friend of mine, Jeffrey Albertson, uh, as we were bringing them, the police stopped us. And these were the local Filipino police, and they didn't mess around. And they pointed their sticks at my chest and said, what are you doing with all these women? They thought something, you know, weird was going on. It's like, we're at a church and we're trying. They didn't believe us. So they were going to arrest us on the spot. And they could have done that any moment. And we'd have wound up in a brig. And how do you explain this? We said, no, we're bringing them. And just, there was this moment of like, I just begin to quietly pray. I was like, Lord, we need this. We need your help. I'm going to be locked up, and I'm just escorting them home. And all of a sudden, like the light bulb went on, one of the guys, he went, oh, okay, no problem. And he let us go, and they walked away. And I remember talking to someone two weeks later, and they mentioned to me back in the States, and they said, you know, I was awakened in the middle of the night at such such time, and it was a 13-hour difference. She said, I was praying for you, and I don't understand why, but I was praying in the Spirit. <laughs> I was woken up, and it was just for a few minutes. Is everything okay? I said, well, now that you asked. I said, in that moment, I was going to be arrested. And the Spirit of God knew, and he will pray through you to bless someone else. And you can pray and pray in your heavenly language, pray in your earthly language. You pray in the Spirit, and there's a time where it just lifts, and it's like it's released. It's taken care of. How many with me say amen? So, that the Holy Spirit will bring forth the leading of the Holy Spirit. Second thing, praying in tongues brings forth the revelation of God's plans and purposes for your life. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For one who speaks in unknown tongues speaks not to men but to God. Once again, for no one understands or catches his meaning. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit, he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. That right there is a supernatural charismatic text. Okay, 
You know, uh, you can, you know, we, we can have biases. We read the Bible. It's like, yeah, okay, we read through that. And, you know, what does that mean? We don't really know. But we stick up on for certain, you know, we all have our favorites. Come on, somebody. But this right here is verses speaking about this private prayer language, I believe. It's different than the public tongues and interpretation. How many of you know that's for men to understand? And the tongues interpretation and the gift flows in that. This says, he who speaks an unknown tongue, their private prayer language, speaks not to men, but to God. There's a difference. Okay, people confuse it that, it, that that means, well, how come it's not interpreted or whatever? They don't understand there's a difference there. And so, and I don't mean this ugly or mean, but when people are seeking the will of God, I will pray on behalf and help them. I will stand with them and say, you know, I'm going to trust the Lord for that. That sounds like a good thing. Maybe the Lord's doing it. But how many of you know that we have to personally spend time? and pray for the will of God over our life and our family. I don't mean that mean and ugly, but, and if you're a spirit-filled believer, I just want to encourage you to stir up the gift. Let's say that again. Some of you have to blow the dust off the grace, because it's like, well, I used to, well, whatever, and you have to stir that back up. And so if spirit-filled believers will spend time praying in the spirit, I believe they're going to have more clarity about God's plan for their life. Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? Do I need to move forward in that? And yes, we have the Word of God, and we have to base everything off the Word of God. But my calling is not to tell people how to run their lives. That's not my job to tell you, you know, this is what you need to do. This, 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 this. No, my job really is, my assignment is to teach people how to follow Jesus through a daily consistent walk with the Holy Spirit. That's my job, Okay. And there were a lot of other things about us and the issues of our lives, which I believe God wants to reveal to you, to you personally. But a lot of times we'd rather run to some other person or get on social media and post. And we do everything. We spend all this effort other than pray and speak to the one who has the answer. <laughs> Amen. Jeremiah 33, God says this, he says, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not, which you know not. How many still with me say amen? I'm almost done. So uh, let's pursue the Lord. And if you've been filled with this grace and you've kind of, kind of waned with it, it's like, yes, I remember I was touched. I just want to encourage you to stir that back up. So in conclusion, how does this grace gift help me grow in Christ? Well, once again, there's numerous uh, teachings out there on the benefits and the blessing. I like how Jude says that uh, to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That word to build up actually means to charge, like a battery with a trickle charge. And so as you pray in the Spirit, you're charging yourself. And what it does is it helps you rise above the present circumstances and see things from heaven's perspective. And there's answers. And the Holy Spirit will tell you certain things about circumstances and situations that you didn't even know. Where did that come from? It came from him to help. You know what? Don't invest in this stock. Invest in this. <laughs> Don't buy this house. Buy this. Come on, somebody. But a lot of times we barrel through and we just do it. And then we're like, oh, and this happened. And that happened. Did we spend any time seeking the Lord about this? Said that with a smile. Stand with me if you would, please. You are awesome today, all of you. Amazing. Putting up with me. How does it help me grow in Christ? Well, there's illustrations out there, and I heard this one recently. I'm like, well, maybe this can help you. 
how many have ever flown? <laughs> Flying is challenging. But how many of you know that they have conveyor belts that are rapid, that are fast? Right? And then there's those people that you got to exercise because they've just been sitting a long time, and they got to just, come, come on, somebody, amen? And so being filled with the Spirit is like stepping on the fast conveyor belt. You can still walk in that belt, right? But you are walking faster. Amen? But listen, you say, I don't like that. That makes me nervous. That's moving too fast. You can still walk by yourself while that belt's going by, and you're still moving forward. And you're, st- you're still a believer. And God loves you. And he's, you're still moving forward. All I'm saying is there's a faster way to move. Get on the belt. Every head bowed, please, this morning, if you would. Fullness of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit wants to propel us forward in our walk with God and service. Let me just say this. If there's a sin or a habit that keeps holding on, here's another benefit. Regularly using your Spirit-inspired language, your prayer language, will loosen its grip on you. Because you're why? Your spirit is being built up and that spirit, watch this, inspired prayers, they are working its way to your flesh. And it withers away besetting sins. Some people are like, I'm just hunkering down trying to defeat this thing. Be filled with the spirit. Pray in your language and watch what the Holy Spirit will do and break that stronghold in your life. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not right with God came to this church, maybe your visitor. This is first time here. We're so thankful that you're here. The most important thing, even than being filled with the Holy Spirit, is for you to be born again. The Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. You have a choice in the matter. I believe God has given you a free will. And you have a decision today to say, Lord, I need you in my life. The Bible says that if we confess and repent, He will fill you and he will change you, he will deliver you, he will forgive you, and you will be a child of God. With every head bowed here this morning, he said, Pastor, that's me. I need God in my life. I mean, I know of God, but I don't really know him. Today is a great day for you. With every head bowed, let's pray together in unison. If this is you and you're feeling this tug, this is your step of faith today. Say this to me, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have broken your law. Jesus, forgive me. I recognize today I need Jesus in my life. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. Thank you for saving me. I make a decision today to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.